For the kingdom belongs to his sheep And your life is in the hands Of a God who never sleeps Fear not, little lamb For the kingdom belongs to his sheep And your life is in the hands of a God who never sleeps. Hey, and welcome back to Tending Lambs. I'm Katie. I'm Abby. I'm Amanda. And today we are talking about repairing with your spouse, the ever important how to end fights and how to get uh, through fights and how to repair after fights. Um, yeah, I think this is really important when it comes to parenting, uh, knowing how to repair with your spouse and how to uh, get back on good terms. It's not just important to know how to repair with your kid, but um, you know, the other most important relationship in your household is your relationship with your spouse and it influences and affects your kids in so many ways. So um, I hope this is uh, good for you guys and that, um, yeah, it's helpful. Hey guys. Hey. So, uh, how's <laughs> one? Well, I wish I knew something about this topic, but I just don't because we never fight. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely. Well, then pack it up. So, uh, pack it up. I, I'm done here. <laughs> My work here is done. <laughs> Maybe you could share your magic. Yeah, right. I wish I had yeah. some magic. I know a <laughs> lot about um, discussions, though. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Lots of Definitely. discussions. Yeah. Definitely have information about how to discuss things well. How to discuss <laughs> things. Yes. Perfect. Well, things never get beyond a discussion (laughs) no never (laughs) so yeah why don't we just jump right into the outline here um first of all i think it is important to say before we get started with any of this is that this what we're going to be talking about doesn't apply in abusive situations so Mm -hmm. um the normal course of action for dealing with another reasonable adult is not going to apply. It's just not going to work. It's not going to fly. It's not going to happen when you are in a relationship with someone who, um, who's abusive. It's just not, there's all of this has to be reciprocal on, on a pretty significant level. And of course, like there's going to be times where, it's more reciprocal than other times, you know, when we're a bit more resistant to it or our spouse is more resistant to it. But um, at the end of the day, the trends have to be reciprocal. And if that's not happening, then um, yeah, then you're in a situation that this doesn't apply to and it's outside of the scope of what we're going to be talking about. So, yeah. And I think, I think what you said, um about that is good like patterns you know generally you want the pattern or the trajectory to be that both of you are willing 
to repair. And I just also wanted to add that, like, even if you're not in an abusive marriage, um, like, repairing can also be learned behavior. Like, just because you haven't been good at it in the past um, mm. doesn't mean you can't get good at it. Like, it's it's not something – I think maybe it does come more naturally to some temperaments, but yeah. – um, it can be learned. It's, it doesn't have to just be something you're naturally good at. Yeah, definitely. I think that's, that's a good note for sure. So to start off, some of the things that, uh, or one of the things that I thought was really important um, or has been really important in my experience. um, And Amanda, before we started, you mentioned this um, is just the timing of trying to repair trying to because a lot of the time at least in my experience repairs also kind of involve revisiting what happened and kind of talking over it and in a in a time and in a space where you're both more able to handle it um and the timing of that is really, really important. Because at least for me, I'm the one that's the the shutdowner, I guess, and the one that can um, uh, that needs a lot more space to process uh, to process things. And so, um, yeah, for me, it can take a little bit of time. But for other people, it takes a lot less time and they try, you know, they might try and uh, speed things up a bit, but getting on the same page with each other and trying to be mindful, I guess, of where the other person is in that, in that journey is, is important. And it's not going to look the same every time too, because one person is obviously going to be more upset usually. So, you know, that can vary based on how that person needs to process and deal with things and who upset who or anything like that. So it's not like a formula that you have to follow or you're not going to find some perfect way to time repairing, you know, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a dance. I think a good um, thing to work on with uh, that particular topic is um, like for both parties. So I'm the person who generally needs space to like process a, because I get like hot headed and I don't want to say something or do something that I regret. So I'm like, I need a minute to cool off here. Mm-hmm. But I found, especially early in our marriage, that I would often kind of take advantage of that and maybe take the space that I needed, quote unquote, and then just like go on Facebook or something. Um, and, and so, mm-hmm. honestly, so I think like a good thing that I've found in my marriage is like to be willing to compromise. So the person who wants to work it out right then be willing to give some space, but then like, don't take advantage of that as the person who needs the space, like actually take the space and try to not quickly, but don't like waste time scrolling or taking a five minute hot shower or whatever you need to do. Like actually go and like, figure out what it is that will help you get to a place that you can go back and work it out. Yeah. And that has been important for me because I'm also the one that needs the space. And I, I really have had to be mindful about how he naturally, not just interprets because he interprets it a little bit differently now that we've been married longer, but like how he emotionally responds to 
me backing off. Um, and I've learned ways to back off more proactively, I guess you could say, instead of yeah. just like stopping. Yeah. And, um, and that has been incredibly helpful incredibly and I know this isn't exactly about repairing but more like on how to argue well um I promise that we have <laughs> we're going to be talking about when things don't go well uh yeah as well it's but, hard to yeah. get to the repairing stage though without like this kind of like like we often wouldn't get to that stage because we couldn't get past the I need space. No, you don't type thing. Right. You know, nope, we need to talk so, about this right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I think even getting to the repairing stage requires a lot of like willingness and understanding and these kind of open lines of communication from both parties. Yeah. Speaking as someone who does not need space <laughs> or want space, I need no space. <laughs> it's less, it's less for me and I imagine others about like forgetting things or remembering things. It's really more about, I process things with people. So mm. like, that's the person mm. that I need to process it. And yeah. I can put a pause on that, but like oftentimes I won't even understand what happened in the fight argument discussion Yeah, <laughs> until, um, yeah, until I have a chance to talk about it out loud. And then during the course of, you know, the conversation, I'm like, oh, dang, that did happen. Um, <laughs> yeah, I completely changed my thoughts and why I'm upset or whatever. So. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, in that vein, like being mindful it's so hard and it's almost impossible when you're triggered. And that's why I think like when you're, when a person is triggered, they need to like start re learning how to recognize that, recognize when you're triggered and you need to like do some breathing, <laughs> you know, uh, because there's just no way to be mindful and there's just no way to approach the other person in a helpful way when you're incredibly triggered. So um, I was going to say something that really has helped me with that is yeah. when I'm, when I'm the one who's feeling that way, um, I usually can't in the moment because <laughs> right. I just don't have the wherewithal about me to do so. But, um, after the fact is I'm kind of like working through what happened, asking myself, um, when was the last time I felt this way? Like, mm. um, I can think of one specific, uh, disagreement that my husband and I got into um it was over something super silly like uh he took my car without asking me and my car is the one that has car seats in it so I couldn't go anywhere um and I was at home with the kids he was running like an errand he might have been gone an hour like not a big deal usually you know like objectively you can look at that and be like what's the deal Abby you were gonna be home with the kids anyway like he just took your mm. car without being like, hey, I'm taking your car. Not a big deal. But uh, I afterwards, like I got like way over the top. And even at, you know, sometimes when you're feeling it, you're like, where is Whoa. this coming from? Yeah. Whoa. Like, yeah. But you can't stop then because that would be ridiculous, you know? But I remember afterwards being like, where did that come from? And um, it was basically like a feeling that like I 
had had in my childhood, like that I had been left and I didn't have a way to leave the house. I like, I recognized the feeling. And so I was like, when was the last time I felt this way? And that question has served me so well in learning my triggers and like, why am I responding this way? When was the last time I felt this way? And what made me feel that way? You know, Um, and kind of being able to dissect because now like, it's working both ways. Abe is like, I'm so sorry. I, I'll make sure I yell out the door like, hey, I'm taking your car. Is that okay? Right. Before I leave. But also, I can take a minute to go, you're not stuck here. Abe's gone for 30 minutes. Just call him and see when he'll be back. You know, like, right. this is okay. You're in a safe place. Like, it's not the same as the last time you felt this or whatever. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's important whenever a person is feeling triggered that's one of those things that's like if you can start practicing that type of thing like mm-hmm. um es- especially in the moments when you aren't immediately triggered like once you're coming down or as you're journaling and thinking through what triggers you now and thinking like about the history uh of those triggers mm-hmm. um that has also been really important for me um and being able to like tell myself I'm safe, yeah, you know, and, to, and and give myself what I needed when those things were happening, mm-hmm. um, and get me to a place where I can come back to Cornet and um, apologize, yeah. you know, for the way I treated him when I was so upset, yeah, um, yeah, and I think. On that note, one of the hardest parts, but really genuinely one of the most important parts is just being vulnerable, being humble, Yep. saying I did this, giving the, you know, being vulnerable means like giving the other person an opportunity to hurt you. Yeah. Not that they will. That's actually what I was just about to say is like, it's two sides of the same coin. Like you have to be willing to be vulnerable, but you also have to be a person that is safe to be vulnerable with. Oh, that's something I've had to work on because I am like super justice minded. (laughs) And Mm. so like, like I love me some justice. And so anytime, like, it's like, I'm sorry. I want to like squash the bug really like, honestly, Mm -hmm. like I want to be like, yeah, because, you know, I right. was right, you know, like, <laughs> I'm not going to say I told you so, but I really did. Um, so I think becoming a person that is safe to be vulnerable with is mm. like one of the, one of the best things you can do for your marriage. If, if that's not something you already practice. Mm-hmm. So true. If someone is coming to you vulnerably, as much as you might want to come back at that because you're still in a place of like defensiveness or anger um it's so important to recognize to recognize those signals like oh, they're being vulnerable let that happen you know you can always get to justice especially like i mean we're talking about marriage here god willing you have time you know you're going yeah. to be able to get to how you feel too um allow time for them to talk about, you know, 
what really hurts them. To your point, Katie, about it being very hard, it's also a nice thing that it's kind of like a muscle. So it's easier to humble yourself and be vulnerable like the further you go. Obviously, if you're yeah. not practicing this, it will be very difficult, but it becomes almost too easy sometimes to be like, okay, that was wrong. I'm going to repair, you know, and you're almost like, wait, that was too easy. But that's how it's mm. supposed to be because you're building mm -hmm. a level of trust with your spouse. So yes, you yeah. should see progress. And yes, it will get easier. You will make bigger mistakes, surely. That And those will be hard, but still you'll you'll see progress and it will not be as difficult to, to do those things. Right. Hard willing. Yeah. That's a really good and important note because it, it it's it's really true. Like all of this stuff, gentle parenting, uh, you know, being mindful and vulnerable with your spouse, all of these things, like especially if you've been in a pattern of defensiveness and punitiveness, like it can feel really artificial and robotic and weird but it totally becomes second nature mm -hmm. after a while like yeah. it really really does and there are times when it's real hard you know like when, when you get real mad or real hurt and that and it is hard but like generally you are it becomes easier to avoid those moments of mm -hmm. real 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 pain Mm -hmm. when you practice these things yeah. on, in, in the little things. Yeah. The caveat here being that if you find yourself apologizing for the same thing over and over and over again, and you're not trying to make real change, then that's the caveat. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, <laughs> not yeah, yeah. In that situation, in that situation, you need to do some self-reflection. Yeah. I think that's also a good note. So it's uh, yeah. If, if you're coming back and, Speaking to the choir here, like speaking to the choir, <laughs> to be to clear. Yeah. Um, the, you know, it's hard, but, and it does involve some discretion, like of your own personal discretion, because you are you, and you're going to find that you have some pitfalls that you trip on every single time, you know, and there are going to be things that we, habits that we struggle with. Um, yeah. And so... It, it does take some self-reflection. Is this something that, that I am just ignoring and not working on and it just keeps coming up and I'm really dismissed? A, lo a lot of the things that are my issues are things that I, like, when I evaluate, I realize I'm being dismissive. And so they come up again because I haven't taken the time to, and, and taken it seriously, um, the the responsibility of changing my behavior um, because I just haven't, uh, you know, I've just written off what he's said, to be honest, and kind mm -hmm. of that like, well, you shouldn't be hurt by that. Yeah. Not consciously necessarily, well, maybe a little bit, but not like, like I s actually say that to myself, but like it, it seems, his opinion seems unimpor unimportant to me. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, my brain just kind of like, oh yeah, okay, I see why that upset you. I'm sorry, and the, but not really, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's that's like really one of our the next points about being genuine. Part of that is, am I taking this seriously? Do I intend to like make yeah. change? 
Okay, so a few ways that I think help us argue more productively so we're not just going round and round the mulberry bush all day and all night. Um, yeah. So one thing would be what are your goals and trying to meet in the middle and remember that you're like on the same team. So if you can stop coming at each other and say, um, okay, we're viewing this very differently, but we have generally the same end goals for our family, right? Maybe we're just taking two different paths to get there right now. How can we get on the same page here? That is a much more productive conversation, even mm. if it's a strong conversation or are yeah. you, you know, you're kind of arguing over, well, I disagree. I think, I think yeah. this is the better way to do it or what have you. I think that is actually a super productive way to um, try and get back on the same page, try and come to a compromise or Maybe you see that you're like, oh, you know what? That is actually is a better way to do it or, you know. Yeah. I think it's just really easy to fall into without even realizing it. Without, It's not even super conscious, but you kind of in an argument when things get really heated, it's so easy to become adversaries mm-hmm. and to feel like, you are really fighting against each other when the truth is um, that you married each other um, because hopefully you had life goals in common. You had, um, and hopefully you're getting to the same page on those. If you didn't marry for those reasons or you didn't marry and you felt differently, but you definitely want the best for your kids and you definitely hopefully you're in a situation and and all of this applies to situations where this is generally true. You want the best for each other. You want the best for each other and you want the best for your kids. And so with that as your starting point, more specific goals and how you get to those things, um, like Abby said, it's way more productive if you're starting there, mm-hmm. you know, like if you are giving each other the benefit of the doubt, like, and that's another place where mindfulness really, really comes in handy because if you're fighting and you're just out in space and you're just feeling all your feels and going straight from that place and you are not in your rightest mind, uh, it's going to be really hard to rein in those negative feelings about the other person Mm -hmm. that feels like they're doing something against you. Yeah. Uh, But if you can stop and breathe and remind yourself that he loves me, she loves me, he loves our kids, she loves our kids. We want to do what's right here. We want to do what's best here. How do we get there together? It's going to go way better. I think that one of the thing that or one of the things that's been interesting to me as we've been talking through this is like how fighting well with each other also is basically the same thing as repairing at least in my experience what repairing is is when a fight has not gone well yeah and we we cool off and we come back to it 
from a place of more mindfulness, more connectedness, and we're able to talk through the issue that we were not able to talk through very well before. Does that make sense? Like, so it, it's basically in a lot of the times that we have repaired on small things and big things, what it is, is basically what we should have done in the first place. (laughs) 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 Yeah. So what some of the things that I, I've tried to practice the I stance, not the you stance. And so basically I think a lot of us have heard of this, but having those, that term for it is really, really helpful because it's kind of something catchy that your brain can remember and be like, I stance. The I feel X, Y, and Z when this happens or when you do this, I, um, I respond or I feel my emotional response is this um, instead of you are doing this to me. Like you are making me feel this way or even more pointedly, you are being dishonest or you are being cruel or you are being whatever, whatever the case may be saying, when you do this, I feel ignored mm-hmm. in, instead of saying you are ignoring me. Yeah. Way gotta go way better. If you are talking for your spouse, especially in an argument, and I don't mean like, oh, we finish each other's sentences. I mean, if you are assuming you are taking responsibility for them, basically you are saying like, I know what you're doing and I like, this is what you're doing. It's going to go real bad. It's not going to go good. (laughs) Real bad. That's so true. Yeah. I've always like, we talk about that in gentle parenting too. Like not saying to your kids, you made me feel. Yeah. On the blank using the, when you blank, I felt blank. Um, because that takes the res- like the responsibility of your feelings off of them. Mm-hmm. Like they aren't responsible for your reaction to their actions, <laughs> right. um, whether they were right or wrong. So, and I find, I, I also find that that's so much more productive. Something that has been like mind blowing in my marriage has been it's so simple but avoiding like the always and never language and i'm not perfect at this neither one of us are but man am i guilty of that the like will you always Mm. fill in the blank like and i think a lot of times these arguments come up especially if you've been married for a few years because it's like there's patterns that develop right and so it's easy to be like this always happens or you never fill in the blank whatever it is because we have a history now and i know that like (laughs) this is how it goes but man it's so like it's kind of like what you're saying katie like you it's like you're not assuming the best and you're kind of coming in guns blazing with accusations instead of the like more productive language of like okay we've talked about this before when you do this, I feel like you don't care or whatever it is. So that has been really helpful because I, I never see the always and never 
conversations go a productive route. Or he or she, as the case may be, um, is feeling defensive and like they have to find examples of when they did the right thing. Right. And like throw, and then what that turns everything into is when he or she does the right thing, it's basically just to prove you wrong or Or to keep kept better tabs. Yes. To keep in the, in their hat for the next argument. That's so true. And it and that is so true. I have so done that. That is so oh, I'm having like a revelation right now. Like that is so true. Anytime we've done the always or never thing, I'm like, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you every time now. I'm gonna, I know. every single time I'm gonna mention it for I'm gonna until mention. eternity. But people do that and I do that. I mean not just people, I do that too. It's like it's so easy to get into that and, yes. and then it takes the genuineness out of yes, it your does. caring acts and all of the, it just that messes so everything true. up. Yeah. Yeah. It is that true. is not a good path. That like, no. Humans trying to use always and never language is like, no, you guys, no. It's silly. We it's all play silly. like that. <laughs> no. <laughs> we human. So. We human. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think one of the things for me, um, that kind of tops all of this off um, has really been physical affection for each other. Like once we've, if we're talking about repairing, so we're talking about in the, whether it's a fight and a blow up or just something you've done that was, that was actually cruel or something like just a harmful incident between you and your spouse and you have done the repairing. It's, it's easy to forget how important just hugging each other is Mm -hmm. and kind of like in a very little kid way, like making up, Mm -hmm. not just Mm -hmm. getting to the bottom of things, but like say like once you have gone through all of the rigmarole of getting down to it, saying I'm sorry and hugging each other. Even if you don't get down to the bottom of it, a hug is, is like almost enough to make it better even if you can't yeah. figure it out yeah yeah, yeah. It and does. it's it kind of like brings all what we were talking back like back to the forefront of your mind like we're on the same team mm-hmm. we're in this together we're gonna get to the bottom of this you know yeah and finally i think uh not to be diminished at all this is really important um apologizing to anyone else that has been affected by the incident um particularly your kids and uh i know none of you have experience arguing in front of your children none whatsoever or having any fights in front of them (laughs) but i have heard of a friend who this has happened to heard of a friend a friend of a friend my friend of a friend that i loosely know um yeah she thinks it's very important especially if you have argued in front of your children to kind of explain to them that you have repaired and emphasize that the argument was not their fault which i think is kind Mm. of a common thing for children to not be able to perceive yep yeah, and yep. um, just to reemphasize that and, re- and yep. repair with them in as simple language as possible because you don't have to make it a big thing, yeah. you know. Don't 
I think I could have, uh, sometimes I want to overemphasize it because I have such a strong understanding of what happened, but mm. generally speaking, they're not as you know, traumatized as I have perceived. So mm. just apologizing, you know, in a, in a genuine way is, yeah. is good enough. Um, actually talking about this has just got me thinking about how important it probably is, even with Calvin, he's three now and, um, we don't fight, fight super often in front of Calvin, but there are times when things get a little bit heated between us or when we're disagreeing about something or, um, we're running late and X, Y, and Z is going on. And, um, I think it is probably, even for little guys, it's important to, to address it. Say, oh, mom and dad or mama and papa, who whatever you say, uh, we were really angry, huh? We were angry with each other. Um, we, that was not nice when mama yelled. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I shouldn't have yelled, but uh, uh, we forgive each other. You know, like things like that, really, really simple, simple things. Yeah. Yeah. And saying, and, and we're okay now. We're okay. And we love each other and we love you. That's what I was going to ask is if you guys had any like language that you could, you know, uh, like what, what exactly would you say to your kids if that happened? Yeah. So my oldest is five, which is, I think why I have examples of arguing in front of her because you can only last so long. I feel like (laughs) working from home with everyone there. Yeah. I think that one repairing in front of them is helpful because they kind of you set the stage for apologizing to them because they're seeing your interaction around like how you get to forgiveness in the first place Mm -hmm. so oftentimes Mm -hmm. we're just going ahead and doing that because that's generally how our arguments go like they resolve pretty quickly just like immediately yeah for the most part ones that we would have in front of the children anyways Mm -hmm. um as it happens but yeah I the language that Katie was using is basically what I use. Like we were angry with each other. You know, we, we didn't understand, you know, what I didn't understand what daddy was saying and we talked it out and, you know, we love each other specifically if I felt like she would have thought that it was her fault for whatever Mm -hmm. reason saying, you know, it's not your fault that we're angry. That's our responsibility. We shouldn't have been angry with each other. We should be kind, giving her examples, positive examples of what we should have done. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing was, um, you know, giving them an opportunity to ask you questions. So after you're telling them that you've repaired and telling them that you love them, just saying, you know, do you have any questions about this? And, you know, letting them have the floor for however long you can give them the floor. So, Yeah, that's, that's good. That's good advice. Um, I was just going to fire off some resources. I don't know if you guys have any helpful resources that um, you've found useful. I was just going to name a couple that I really love. Um, first and foremost is the Gottman Institute. Um, oh, yeah. They're probably my favorite. They have a really fantastic book called Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work that I really highly recommend. Um I don't believe they're Christians, but man, their work is just like phenomenal. It's really, really good on marriage. They're like, they're like the like 
I don't know what you would call them, the Cadillac of marriage advice, I guess. Um, yeah, basically. And they have a podcast that I really like called Small Things Often. It's a five-minute-a-day podcast, um, and it's just suggestions of little ways to improve your marriage five minutes a day. So I really like that. It feels oh, nice. doable to me. Um, and then beyond that, the five love languages, the book is really great. And then Abe and I actually use occasionally, not all the time, but an app called the Love Nudge app. And it basically like you take a quiz, you get your love languages, and then it kind of suggests ways for you to show your spouse affection um, in the way that they receive it Hmm. um, based on the love languages. So you can sync your apps together so that, you know, you can track what you're doing for them and they can track what they're doing for you. So we don't use it too often, but it's kind of a good reminder. Um, and then I also really love the blog to love honor and vacuum. I don't know how you say her last name, Sheila Gregor, maybe (laughs) (laughs) but she's really great. I really like her blog. So those are just some, some resources. I know, Bad marriage advice is a plenty, especially within Christendom. So I try to (laughs) no (laughs) sad. So I try to you know when there is a good resource, it's nice to have it. So yeah, those are some really helpful resources, Abby. Thank you. And uh, yeah, this was a great conversation. It's even been helpful for me to work through some of these things practically with you guys and just talk about them and. Uh, I think we've had more than one revelation, personal revelation here tonight. So that's (laughs) always good. Yeah. So thank you everybody for listening. I hope it was helpful for you guys. Um, And we'll see you in the Facebook group. Thanks so much for listening to Tending Lambs. There's always so much more that can be said. So if you'd like to continue the conversation, please join us in the Tending Lambs Facebook group. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash tendinglambs. Instagram at Tending Lambs. And for show notes, our blog, and other gentle parenting resources, check out tendinglambs.com. If you're a fan of this podcast and would like to help us continue creating content, we now have a Patreon. We'd love it if you would consider supporting us through that platform. As a patron, you'll be supporting the podcast, blog, and entire Tending Lambs community. But not only that, you'll receive lots of fun perks as well. Sign up to support us at patreon.com slash tendinglambs. And as always, until next time.